The scripture reading for today is taken from Nehemiah 6, 1-9 and 12-14. It can be found in your church Bibles on page 488-489. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, Though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanbalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanbalat sent his AD to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported amongst the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to this report, you are about to become their king, and even have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply, nothing like that what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. I realized that God had not sent him but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. This is the word of the Lord. Well, our sermon series on the book of Nehemiah is coming to uh, a rapid end. Next week, we're going to look together at chapter 8, which is a a sort of dedication of the wall that has been uh, built around uh, Jerusalem. Nehemiah, most of you uh, uh, know this by now, Nehemiah came to Jerusalem all the way from Persia to rebuild the city wall, which had been destroyed 70 years earlier by uh, the Babylonian armies. And so the dedication is a kind of culmination of of Nehemiah's work. And as you heard in the the lesson uh, just now, uh, this wall was built remarkably in only 52 days. But today, before the story comes to an end, there is one more attempt to derail and discredit uh, Nehemiah's mission. Remember Sanballat and uh, Tobiah, uh, who appeared earlier in the story? Well, they're back, except that they never really uh, went away. And so they appear in chapter 6 with one more attempt to stop uh, Nehemiah. Uh, earlier in the story, as you may recall, there were threats of physical violence, and, and so Nehemiah had to use security measures he had to post guards. Uh, some people worked on the wall while, uh, while other people's, uh, people stood guard. Uh, and then they would switch positions, often working through the night, 
uh, in order to complete the, the, their work. And at one point, even the builders uh, or bricklayers had a brick in one hand and a sword in the other. Uh, so this was a very dangerous situation. Lives were at, at stake. An, an attack could have come at any moment, and it would have been bloody. Uh, but today, Nehemiah's enemies unleashed their final assault, and uh, they used their most uh, intimidating weapon yet. And uh, did you hear what it was? Uh, uh, not a bombing campaign. There were no rockets uh, or, or missiles. The final assault occurs with gossip, oh, uh, slander, uh, deliberate lying about Nehemiah's motives. Uh, that's what I want to spend a few moments uh, talking about uh, uh, with you this morning, the, the power of our words either to build up or to destroy. Uh, the letter of James to the early church would be uh, one perfectly adequate place to turn for a New Testament reading. Most of you, I'm guessing, have heard these words from uh, the third chapter. Uh, so I, I'm going to ask you if you remember where, where James writes, when we put bits in the mouths of horses uh, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Uh, or take ships as an example. Uh, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Uh, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a, a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, and it corrupts uh, the whole body. I mean, that would have been a good New Testament reading uh, uh, for today, but I chose another, and I, I, I chose one from Paul's letter uh, to the Ephesians, and instead of reading just verse 29, which your bulletin indicates I'm going to do, I'm going to read the paragraph that uh, verse 29 is a part of uh, to give you the context here. Paul takes this matter uh, of our speech very, very seriously. So listen to the way he puts it. Uh, this is in chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, uh, all of us, I'm guessing, uh, have been uh, criticized at, at one time or another in our lives. Our, our parents, for example, probably uh, criticized us. They, they may have been the first critical voice uh, we ever heard. Uh, they probably told us that uh, we could do better in school if only we uh, worked harder and studied longer and took our schoolwork more seriously. Uh, Doug, if you don't study harder, you'll never make something of yourself. I, mean, I can still hear those words and I, I still wonder if I've made something of myself. Uh, now, even our children 
uh, offer uh, us criticism. Frankly, this one came as a surprise to me, but I learned that, that children in adulthood, when they turn, I don't know, 30 or, or so, they offer critiques about the way they were raised. Uh, my children now offer reviews of their childhoods. And mostly it's good, I'm happy to say, but uh, it's clear that they didn't like everything uh, that we did. And, and now I get to hear about it, this unsolicited feedback. And then outside the family, we hear criticism from supervisors and coworkers, uh, people who comment about our work, and they like some parts of what we do, and they don't like other uh, parts of what we do, and, and they let us know. And, and frankly, I don't see how it's possible to uh, be in a work situation you know, without offering feedback. Uh, we hear criticism from teachers or professors who evaluate our work. They're, I mean, that's their job. We turn in papers, and then they... They put comments uh, on those papers about where our arguments could be stronger and, uh, and so on. It's not an easy business to be a teacher. Uh, and of course, there are still more places in our lives where we uh, receive feedback and then we do our best to take it in and, and, and to learn from it and, and uh, not to be hurt by it. But there's another kind of criticism or judgment that I want to talk about uh, with you today, and, and this is a, a difficult one, uh, because this kind of criticism is unfair, and it hurts. And not only that, it is designed uh, to hurt. And in the case of Nehemiah, as you heard, it was designed uh, to destroy him and everything that he had given up his life uh, to do. Uh, gossip doesn't really seem like a, a strong enough word to describe it, but often that's where it begins. Uh, a whisper about you. And usually it's a, a whisper behind your back, and usually it's from someone who smiles and is so pleasant in your presence. But then when you are not around, the, the person can be as brutal and as unfeeling as a serial killer. Uh, I, I said these words are, are usually spoken behind our backs, but that's not always the case. Uh, sometimes uh, these words are spoken to our face, and, and, and occasionally we don't even realize uh, how badly we're being hurt until later. I, I worked with a, a person one time who, and I, maybe you've heard this expression before, I learned it as a result of this person. Uh, the expression is that the, this person could damn the clock by asking what time it was. It was only later that you realized the full impact of, of what this person had said. And, 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 I mean, words were spoken, and later you realized that a knife had been inserted between the ribs. This morning, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the, the people who gossip, uh, either the malicious people who speak lies about us, or the, the people who just, you know, thoughtlessly pass it along. You know, they hear it from someone else and they, they pass it along uh, to someone else. I mean, either way, the Bible is clear. Don't do it. Don't be the person who, who speaks ill of another person. You know, don't make stuff up. And if you hear something that may or may not be true, don't just mindlessly pass it along. You might want to go to uh, the person who's being maligned in order to find out if it's true or not. You know, but never, ever pass along a, a, a piece of information just because it's too juicy to hang on to or because it makes you seem important because you are in possession of this wonderful piece of information. 
Actually, I, I, I think Paul's uh, words to the Ephesians should be enough right? uh, at this point. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. I mean, that seems clear enough to me, doesn't it, to you? Uh, what I want to talk about today are, the, 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 uh, are, are not the perpetrators, uh, people like Sambalat and, 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 and Tobiah who make our lives miserable, uh, there will always be people like them, people who find enjoyment and, and perverse pleasure in, in tearing down another uh, person's reputation. Uh, what I want to talk about today are people like you and me, uh, who are the targets, the, the people who find ourselves on the receiving end. What are we supposed to do about that? How are we supposed to respond? And uh, even if, if you've never been on, on the receiving end of, of lies and, and gossip and slander, please listen to this anyway, because your time will come. Uh, few, if any, people get through life without being uh, attacked unfairly, you know, w- without having their names or their reputation smeared, without having something negative just hurled their way. I wish it weren't true, but it, it, it is. So here's the first truth I would, I would like you to see, and it comes directly from the story we heard today. When, when are we the most vulnerable right, to gossip and, and to slander? Sorry to, uh, I mean, sorry to tell you uh, about this, but it's when we're at the top. It's when things are going really, really well in our lives, and it's when we are just soaring without a care in the world. As I mentioned, the wall around Jerusalem was nearly built, and Nehemiah was already planning the dedication. I mean, he was thinking about what he was going to wear. What do you wear to the dedication of a city wall? And just at that moment, it hit... The, the, the person who is most vulnerable to attack is the person who thinks he or she has finally made it. Uh, last week, uh, I, while I was getting ready for today, uh, I, I tried to think of other stories, biblical stories, uh, where this was true. And then I realized that nearly all of the figures I could think of from the Old Testament fit this theme. Uh, think of King David, think of uh, Jonah. Jonah had just accomplished the most successful missionary enterprise in the Old Testament, and, and almost immediately he falls into depression. He is vulnerable. Uh, the same with Elijah. Depression followed immediately after his successful confrontation with the prophets of Baal. Uh, Charles Swindoll, the American pastor uh, on whose book this sermon series is based, and that book is uh, called the Hand Me Another Brick, Charles Swindoll says that his most discouraging day of the week is Monday. And it's usually after preaching a really good sermon uh, on, on Sunday. Right? And it's, it's on Monday, he says, that he is most susceptible to attack and to slander and, and, and to gossip, to judgment. And I know that among pastors, he is not alone. So it, here's the question. When, when is that time for you? When is it that you are most susceptible? It would be important for your spiritual life right, to know when this happens because then you can do something about it. Here's the second truth I find in this story. God, think about this. God allowed this attack to happen. Here was Nehemiah doing what God had called him to do with his life. Nehemiah had given up that grand life back in in uh, Persia, in the king's uh, palace, uh, 
uh, to live in the not very attractive city of Jerusalem. And God allowed a couple of good-for-nothings, low-lifes to, to viciously attack him. Now, some people I know like to say that God sends these uh, tests into our lives. God gives us trials like the one we read about in, in Nehemiah chapter 6. And I think you know me well enough uh, by now to know that, I, I mean, I resist that, that way of thinking. Because I don't know if God really needs to send pain into my life to find out how I'm going to respond to it. Right? Uh, in my case, at least, I think God already knows. Uh, uh, what my strengths and, and weaknesses are, I think God knows how much pain I can take. Right? And, and when I am most likely to cave in under the pressure. Uh, but the truth uh, here in this story, the inescapable truth, I think, is that God allowed, God allowed this, this final assault from Sanballat and, and his friends. Do you know something? What I, what I get from this story is that following God and Doing God's will, which is what Nehemiah does throughout the story, and he, at times he seems almost too good to be true, but following this path of obedience and faithfulness is going to be very, very difficult. You might think that living the Christian life makes all the problems go away. Uh, that's what I hear from some of you right? when, when the hard times hit. The, but the hard times... The malicious and undermining work of the people around us, I mean, they, they continue to occur. Uh, even after we've surrendered and even after we've decided to follow Jesus with our lives. You know, there's no escaping it. God allows it to happen. So here's the question, how come? Right? And I think that it happens, these times of trial and testing happen to build us up. I, I think we go through... Uh, these times to, to grow and to become stronger and to become less susceptible in the future. And I think that, that we are tested so that we grow up finally into the people God intended us uh, to be. Nehemiah, and I, I, I don't know if you heard this, Nehemiah was able to resist uh, Sambalot and Tobiah even though uh, they sent messages four different times. And each time, Nehemiah held his ground, and, and he refused to be intimidated. And ultimately, Sambalot came at Nehemiah five separate times, you know, threatening to expose him. And, and the, the threat went something like this. You just came here because you wanted to be king. You pretended to be nice, and, and you said that you were interested in, in building a wall, but really, you're just here to seize power. I mean, that was the accusation and, and the, the malicious lie that was spread about Nehemiah. Uh, and it was unfair, and it was hurtful, and it was cruel, and it must have hurt as much as anything Nehemiah had ever experienced in his life. And yet, Nehemiah survived. This final assault, he was strong, where I might have been weak and pathetic. He was strong where other Old Testament characters gave in to depression and, and self-pity and, and worse. It was the testing that made Nehemiah strong. And it was the testing that made him fit to be governor of, of Judah, which is what God had in mind for him to do. And as it turned out, he was just the right person to uh, rebuild and reshape this, this people of God for the future. Jerusalem and the temple and the wall had to be rebuilt. 
right? So that God's plans culminating in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ could be realized. He played a role. So let me mention the, the, the third and, and, and final truth I, I see in this story. When, when Nehemiah became aware of uh, what they were accusing him of, he did something, and it's not terribly surprising, but I, I can't emphasize enough how important this is. So the third truth here is Nehemiah's response. He prayed, uh, of course, because Nehemiah prayed all the time. It was uh, second nature to him. It was his default response to every situation. But then, and this is important, he calmly spoke the truth. Such things as you are saying, he said, have not been done. Period. That was his public statement. Right? No accusations, no, no hitting back in, in anger and, and judgment. Just a simple declaration of fact. I wonder if we haven't forgotten how powerful the truth can be. There is always a temptation, I, I feel it as strongly as anyone, there is always a temptation to go on the counterattack, to hit back harder and, and, and to choose a fight. Man, I, I wish it weren't so, but I mean, it's there. And the example of Nehemiah is in many ways far more powerful. And, and quite frankly, it's timely. I mean, our world could stand to look at this example. What he said in response to the gossip and the slander was a simple statement of fact. No, it's not true. <laughs> I don't want to be king. It's, it, it's not why I came to Jerusalem. Such things as, as you are saying have not been done. Now try it sometime. I mean, uh, try speaking the truth in a calm and civil manner. It's very difficult. I, I know it's very difficult to keep feelings in check, and it's, it's very difficult to control our impulse to lash out, and, and, and using social media to hit back is very tempting for some of us, and it's become the tool of choice in our culture, and it is unhealthy. Right? Most often, please listen to me when, uh, when I say this, most often the best response is simple, direct, and factual. As John 8, verse 32 puts it, the truth will set you free. We live at a time when leaders and politicians model very different kinds of behavior. And just so you know, I'm thinking about both ends of the political spectrum here. And with so much gossip and slander and fake news in the air, it's hard to know anymore where the truth lies. How much of what we see and and, and read in the news is, is really true. Right? And, and, and so uh, we live at a time of polarization and distrust, and it's hard for me to remember a, a time in my own life when there has been so much anger. Our, our, our public discourse, the way we talk to each other, is certainly at a low point, and I don't know if it's lower than it's ever been, but it's low. And, and we can all feel it. There's a, a tension in the air and in our politics, and and in our conversations with each other. And, and there are topics we don't dare to talk about with each other for fear of, of starting an argument. But the solution, at least this is the lesson I learn in, in Nehemiah, and this is why I, I repeatedly said during this sermon series that Nehemiah is a type of Christ. He, 
he shows us what the Christ will be. The, the solution is not to trade insults or, or to make accusations. The, the, the solution is not to spread lies and disinformation about those with whom we disagree. The, the solution is to speak the truth always. To trust, as, as Scripture puts it, to trust that the truth will set us free. Try it sometime. Try it sometime. Will you pray with me? Let us pray. Gracious God, once again, we thank you for uh, the example of Nehemiah who has come to us not only as a type of Christ, but who, who shows us what inner strength looks like. And we thank you for the example he sets of speaking the truth and trusting the truth to set us free. All right, we pray that uh, his example may become part of, of who we are, help us to internalize uh, who he is in, in our own lives. Uh, gracious God, may these words speak to us not only today, but throughout the, the coming weeks. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.